Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. A tree and its fruit. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Believe me, you who practice lawlessness. Amen. Well, thank you, Maya and Ruth. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us that the church, that's you and me, um, must not fondly imagine that we can simply run away from the world. Rather, he says, a disciple often uh, involves remaining genuine uh, whilst sometimes being in a hostile environment. And we know, we know that we find ourselves in hostile environments in varying degrees. Uh, it can be seasons in life, uh, it can be physical hostile environments, it can be relational um, and it can be situational. Um, this pandemic uh, has been and still remains to be a hostile season uh, that we find ourselves in. And so these passages are so important for us uh, this morning because really uh, what Jesus is talking uh, to us about is it's, it's challenging us that at times of hostility, what will we do as his disciples? Will we push in more uh, to Jesus and investing in those discipleship practices that he teaches us about? Or will we turn away um, with our hearts and with our actions and with our practices? Uh, will we surrender to that of our environment, our world? Uh, rather than surrendering uh, to God. And so this passage uh, gives us three things this morning to think about. Uh, and um, it's exciting because we've got some testimony that is going to uh, build on uh, what these passages are saying. But the three things for us to think about. Uh, first thing, uh, as disciples, Jesus says we will be like sheep amongst wolves there will be hostile environments. Second thing, we're going to be known by our fruit. And the third thing is that obedient discipleship is not just about saying, Lord, Lord. Rather, it's also about doing the will of the Father. Well, verse 15, right at the beginning of this passage, says, Beware of false prophets 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus chooses metaphor, and he chooses the metaphor of sheep and wolves to paint a picture of the hostile environment that the disciple uh, may find themselves in. And where else uh, is this metaphor used in the Bible? Well, if we turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel, um, now Ezekiel, the prophet, finds himself having to remain uh, obedient to God in what he says and what he does in a hostile environment where other priests and prophets are not. There's a contrast uh, between Ezekiel and between the other priests and prophets. Now, if we look at chapter 22, uh, verse 12, it simply says that these other priests and prophets um, had forgotten God. And as a result, their actions and those of other people in power around them are described in verse 27 as wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. They were like wolves in sheep's clothing. And as a result, around them was an accepted way of being that they got involved in. In verse 29, it says that they practised oppression, they wronged the poor and needy, and oppressed the sojourner without justice. And it was in all of that that God was calling Ezekiel to be a priest and a prophet that was to be different, to follow and to live out the will of God, to display through his life genuine following of God in a hostile situation. So when Jesus uses the metaphor sheep and wolves, he's bringing to mind this already played out contrast for the disciple found in the Old Testament. Now, Alan Hirsch, a modern day theologian, suggests that this wasn't a hundred miles away from what was happening still uh, when Jesus would have preached this message to the disciples and the crowd that day, uh, as recorded in Matthew. And Alan Hirsch says this in his book, Right Here, Right Now. The Pharisees were religious students. They consumed the old covenant law and thrived on it. They could quote it verbatim, interpret it and explain its fine points. They could do anything except live it. challenging words isn't it and it didn't stop there if we turn to the book of Acts uh, the book of Acts chapter 20 verses 28 to 29 where the Apostle Paul reminds us that here is the same metaphor that Jesus used that he uses also it tells us in these verses be on your guard for yourselves and your flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
Here is Jesus is warning us, considering becoming disciples, that the road will be hostile. Alan Hutch suggests that Jesus is challenging us today to consider our discipleship, moving it from the paper to the pavement eh, through everyday active obedience towards God. Jesus is almost like he is pausing them at this point in the teaching eh, and he's pointing them and he's pointing us today eh, to the things that he's just taught and he's inviting us to go further. He's inviting us to go further in a discipleship relationship with himself. As Bonhoeffer puts it this way, um, when asked to follow Jesus, the disciple's response is an act or a continuous act of obedience rather than just a confession of faith. Well, why is Jesus bringing these things to the disciples at this time? Well, we know in just a few chapters afterwards, in Matthew 10, 16, Jesus affirms that when he sends us out, when we go, when we continue to follow him, he says, I will send you out like sheep amongst wolves. Jesus is confirming that the discipleship reality is that of Ezekiel. It's that of the early Christians, and it still remains the same for us today. It's one that will require relational obedience, personal cost, courage, spiritual discernment and protection. Because Jesus says, don't fear the wolves. He doesn't say fear the wolves. He says that they'll just be there. <laughs> he said that it'll just be hostile, but don't fear. Why? Because he is the good shepherd and it's him that we follow, the Lord Jesus. And so Alice is going to come just now and share testimony to that um, and how God has been growing her in practical obedience through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Alice. Hi, everyone. God's greatest help to me has been gaining a deeper understanding and revelation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life as a believer. I think I can liken this to a situation where um, you have a mother who has had this baby, is in the labor ward, just delivered. And I think we can parallel it with being born again. And the first thing that the doctors do or the midwives or whoever is uh, attending to this uh, newborn baby is to attach it to its mother. Reason being that the bond needs to be established, then the mother would start the, the feeding, building a relationship, nurturing, teaching this child, cautioning it, you know, on the journeys of life. And this child grows up all going well in this kind of environment. So I likened the Holy Spirit to that kind of relationship where you are born again and you need someone to help you on the way to caution you, to teach you, to nurture you, to comfort you on the journey of life. So there were many areas of my life where I was really moving in my own understanding. You need help, I needed guidance, 
I needed counsel. You know, you need all kinds of things. And yes, you are reading the Bible, but there's still something really, really missing out there. And to me, that was the Holy Spirit. So the first bit of help I got was the advantage of more time, um, especially last year, to go deeper and just find out and build this relationship. And I did this by listening to lots of teaching, good teaching, and spending more time in the Word just to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And to me, I feel that is the greatest thing that has ever happened. So I was able to build this relationship, which is still very ongoing. Um, situations and circumstances have come and they continue to come. But I've been privileged to know that I, can, I have help, to know that the guidance is there, someone to guide me, someone to reveal the mysteries of complex things. And, and I can understand God's word on very, very specific issues that have uh, happened to me on a day-to-day -day basis, issues that I face on a daily basis in, in my home, in my marriage, eh, on the work front, with friends and family and church. So that has really been great. So how have things changed? Things have changed a lot and I am so grateful. Um, I can see a real change in my attitude and my character and it is really lining up with the fruit of the Spirit. I have found that I am more patient, uh, more understanding, more empathetic, especially like in the workplace, you know, we encounter different situations and you can see that the Holy Spirit is helping you, is giving you that advice, is revealing things to you, helping you to be patient, helping you to step back and probably say the right things. In certain situations, it has been so humbling because there have been also times where the Holy Spirit has said, you know, I think there could be an element of pride there. Let's deal with it. So there have been things like that and, and I felt so privileged because sometimes it's very difficult to find that person who actually pin you down and say, oh, you, you really need to do this or you are this or that. But I thank God that I've had that teaching and that counsel and that caution from him. I've also found that the Holy Spirit will always give you a life-giving word, which normal wisdom will not do, that textbooks will not do, even the clever people may not have that kind of wisdom, but that Holy, the Holy Spirit has always given you that word of life that will encourage someone that is so timely and it has been so defining and I felt so privileged to be able to do that in different situations. And I've also found that my prayer life has altered. I have found that the Holy Spirit has been giving, has given insights on how to pray in different situations, has given the direction. Many times you are faced with a situation and it was one of those times in the past you just kind of crash land on it 
but the Holy Spirit, you stay and are still. He'll give you that word, and He will also give you that peace. So you are praying for, praying from a, a place of advantage. You are praying from a place of victory, and I have found that so so encouraging in my prayer life, and it has encouraged me to build this relationship further and further, knowing that there's someone who knows better, someone who can reveal what is actually going on. Um, and also the Holy Spirit has revealed God's word because many times we study the, the word of God and again we can use our own understanding but it's been amazing because sometimes this word, you know, it was written a long time ago and you think, what, what am I going to get out of maybe this portion of scripture and there he illuminates and is so relevant. So I'm really, really thankful and grateful for the privilege of um, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking to for more and more uh, manifestations of God's word um, through the Spirit. Amen.